G'day everyone, welcome back to the Livestock Leaders Podcast. It's Millie here, your host from the Livestock Collective. If you enjoy this episode, make sure you scroll back and listen to all of our previous episodes. Today we have brought in Munro Hardy. Munro is a Business Development and Northern Division Manager at AgriWeb based in Sydney after spending 13 years in the Northern Territory. How are you going Munro? G'day Millie, I'm very well, thank you. You're coming to us from Sunshine Noosa. I am indeed following a, uh, a big week at Beef Week. I, I had a wedding here this weekend coming and I didn't want to get back down to Sydney, so I tried to uh, avoid the lockdowns by basing myself here in Noosa for the week, which has been tricky. Oh, wow, that sounds hard. <laughs> Tough life. <laughs> Munro, we start each episode with the same question, and that is what are three words you would use to describe yourself with? Ooh, uh, adventurous, inquisitive, and ever-growing, if I can use that as one word. You can, I'll allow it. So adventurous, we sort of gathered that from your experience over in the Northern Territory um, as a chopper pilot. Tell us about those years. Oh, fantastic years they were. Um, I started my licence in 2014, uh, which I did down here on the sunny coast, actually, at Maroochydore, and floated back up north once I'd done that and got into into a tourism gig for a little bit there just to get a few hours up before joining Helimaster. I spent uh, a few years with them floating around the north, which is fantastic. I was based at, at Vic River Downs there, um, but covered a lot of country everywhere from there to well, eastern Kimberley, uh, across to the Barclay and occasionally down as far as Alice Springs. And you've since moved to Sydney, I think at the start of 2020, which um, was probably not the best time to do so. Can you tell us about that transition? Yeah, no, you did right. It, uh, it was a very interesting time. I'd, I'd moved down there to, to start with a, a tech company. I took a job on with them um, with a focus on the north and, and the cattle industry. Uh, moved down late January, I think it was, and then uh, had a couple of good months there. Found an apartment to live on a, on a short-term lease and then the lockdown hit. And I've still found myself there now. I haven't relocated back up north yet. But yeah, been been very interesting times. Learned a lot. It's been a big, well, eighteen months now of of personal growth and development, which has been fantastic. And and now borders are open again. We're doing a lot of travel up north and around the countryside. It's been great. It's been great. Yeah, good. Do you miss flying? <laughs> Absolutely, sure do. Um, I was lucky enough actually to jump in a in a light aircraft the other day and fly down from Beef Week down to Noosa, which was good. Um, so I'm scratching that itch occasionally. I, I do a little bit of private flying every now and then just to keep current. No commercial stuff, but yeah, certainly do miss it. Munro, we discovered when you attended the Livestock Leaders Program um, at the beginning of this year, beginning of 2021 in Alice Springs, that you're, you're a bit of a storyteller. And I'm thinking that you've got to have some stories for me from your time in Northern Territory, 13 years worth. Have you have you got something for me? Oh, Struthy, you put me on the spot now. Um, oh, look, I think early days were were uh, I had a good yarn from those early days. I uh, I headed up north initially after finishing school. Um, wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I just wanted to check out the cattle industry and, and see how it all works in the north. I'd sort of grown up on stories of, of guys a few years ahead of me who had sort of been there and done it and, and gone jackarooing or ringing for a couple of years. Uh, so I wanted to see that. Um, and my first job was up at Rotham Park there, uh, just west of Cairns. And I was as green as can be coming off a, a sheep property at home. And I'd always been given two bits of advice. Um, if someone ever asks you to open a gate, you run to it. 
and the second second bit of advice was if anyone asks if you can ride a horse say anything but yes uh and that's because typically if you if you're a bit cocky and you skied a bit then uh, they'll put you on the the roughest bucking horse they can find and so anyway i did i said no nah, haven't got any experience on a horse which was pretty true and anyhow the first day there my first master they put me on a horse called pokemon which could have been called Pokalong, I reckon. It was a very quiet, steady, doughy horse. Uh, and anyhow, we poked along for the day. And I remember at one point we had some feral cattle that were running in the chopper, sort of bringing them in while we were mobbed up for a bit. And there was one cow in the mob that just wanted to break out. I could see her in the middle with her head up, looking around, pushing through the mob, sort of coming to the edge of them. And anyway, one of the guys said, um, just keep an eye on her, mate. If she comes out, just crack her off, let her go get out of the way and just hold the rest of the mob there. And she did. She came straight out at me. I could see her coming. And I tried to move this horse, and for the life of me, it did not want to budge. And oh, no. <laughs> cow lined us up at 90 mile an hour. She was galloping at us, speary horns down, and uh, straight into the horse, lifted the horse off the ground and rolled it over. But I was lucky enough to sort of step off and, and quickly back into the saddle as it was standing up again. But that horse had no idea what had hit it. Following muster, we, we processed those cattle for a day or two and then we were walking wieners out and we had a big um, big camp of horses and um, I'd gone over to the yards that day to go and to go and pick this horse again, this Pokemon. Anyway, there's probably 50 horses in the plant and there were only four greys in there and mine was one of those four greys. And when I went over to the yard, there was only three greys in there. And I thought, oh, God, which one was my horse? Which one did I ride the other day? And, you know, I didn't know a horse's back end from its head. And I was there with a couple of Aboriginal fellows and I asked them, I said, oh, was that my horse there? Was that the one I was riding the other day? And they said, yeah, mate, that'd be the one. That's him. Go and jump on him. So we, we grabbed him and walked him over to the stables. I saddled up and walked him out to um, to walk to the yards and, and uh, tail these wieners out. Anyway, I, I jumped on him. He looked all right. I looked down his side, gave him a pat on the neck turned his head to go to the yard and gave him one touch on the ribs and he left the earth. <laughs> Dumped me in about two seconds flat. So um, it wasn't Pokemon? <laughs> no, that was Cheyenne, well known for a bucking horse, that one. Anyway, You weren't hurt over. though? No, I wasn't too badly hurt. Dusted myself off, jumped back on with a bit of encouragement from the head stockman and uh, rode him for the rest of the day. He said, right, you pick that horse now, mate. You're going to stay on him. And anyway, he barked and barked and barked all day. Dumped me probably five or six times, I reckon. But yeah, good learning experience. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. That's what it's all about. Um, tell us about where you're originally from, um, from sheep property. Uh, originally from a little place called Apsley in Victoria. You might have heard of that before, Millie. Oh, I might have. Might have, Munro. <laughs> um, yeah, Western, Western Victoria on the border of South Australia there. Grew up there, the son of a sheep cocky. Um, and I went to boarding school when I was about 11 into Hamilton for a couple of years and then finished school in Melbourne, last four years in Melbourne. I'll let our audience know that when I um, was having Munro as a livestock leader in the program in Alice Springs, I got a text message about the week before and he goes, you're not by any chance Millie Nolan from Apsley, are you? I went, oh my God, who is this? And it was the lovely Munro. <laughs> Munro, do you like cattle more than sheep now? Absolutely. Yep. No, I'm a cattleman through and through. Um, I got up there for what was meant to be uh, 12 months, sort of a 
a working holiday to go and, and farm a feed up there, see a bit of what the, the northern cattle industry was about. And I just fell in love with it. I went um, down to uni at Armidale and um, straight after that back up north. And initially I thought, you know, it might only be another season, maybe two, but 13 years later I was still up there. What did you study, Monroe? Well, I started actually ag science. Um, but I was definitely not into science at school. I struggled with the biology and chemistry side of things. Uh, so pretty quickly, the first three weeks, I think I changed into ag business. Good change? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, much better. Still pretty difficult. Uh, got through the accounting side of things, but um, yeah, it was much more of an interest to me than, than uh, the science side of things. Yeah. I um, did a few units with UNE and I really enjoyed my time there. It was good. Oh, did you? Were you based there? No, I did them all externally. Ah. Yeah, we had to go for intensive schools, which are always a fair bit of fun. Um, becoming part of the Livestock Leaders Program at the beginning of 2021, did you know what you were getting into in Alice Springs? Uh, no, I didn't actually. No, it was um, a, a really good program. I think um, those couple of days that we did there, particularly on personal development, really helped. Uh, the advocacy space as well, I think, is really important. It was something... I was I was sort of actively participating in, but not really focused on on what I was doing and getting a message out there. So the the leaders program really um, brought that to light. I think in how important that is to share conversations and and be an advocate for what we're doing day to day. Yeah, because you have organically grown a rather significant following on Instagram, and I think it is all the beautiful pictures from all over Northern Territory that you've been posting over the past. 13 years but do you know a time when that really took off like when did you get all these followers and how yeah absolutely um it was a few years ago now and there, there was definitely a, a point when it all sort of when it all happened i was at a wedding uh channel point on the beach actually a mate's wedding and and met a girl there who was in marketing down in melbourne she had a look at my instagram and anyway she said god you've got some really great photos on there you should utilize that a bit more and share your story and, and show people what you're doing uh, and she just had some great pointers around, you know, how to share, what to share, hashtags, and sort of influencing that modelling, I think, from Instagram, you know, around the right time of day and how to engage people. And sure enough, I followed a couple of things that she'd pointed out. And then within six months, I'd sort of grown to 4,000 followers. And then flying around, I just kept doing the same thing and and sort of leveraging other people's platforms as well, sharing photos and resharing and, and doing that sort of thing. Um, which then in no time at all, it bounced up to nearly 8,000 followers. Is that just on Instagram? Like, do you use any other platforms? Yeah, mainly Instagram. I, I just find that a lot easier. With an office like I had at the time, you know, you just stick a camera out the office window and take a photo and, and boom, you've got some of the best scenery in the country. Um, I just found it really easy to post on Instagram, write a short story and um, and go from there. Whereas, yeah, Facebook, I, I thought might take a bit more work. Um, and you need to be a bit more actively engaged, I think. But uh, yeah, Instagram just seemed to be the jam. Yeah, right. Getting back to that advocacy, have you put into practice any of the skills that you learned in the Livestock Leaders Program? Absolutely. Um, one big thing now in the work that I'm doing, you know, is, is sort of coming from a, a more professional edge. And so LinkedIn has become a great tool um, just for engaging in the wider community, sharing stories and, and not even just focused on what I'm doing, but other things within the industry, other other challenges and 
and even you know success stories that people are having um just bringing to light what what's going on in the industry and and particularly opportunities for young people um i've since had a lot of people get in touch and say oh how do you get to where you are and what do you do what do you think the opportunities are for for themselves and for other young people in the industry and so that's been terrific it's it's sort of given me a focus on on giving back to the industry and how i can help young guys coming up too i think yeah, that's awesome. And what do you tell them? What do you think are the opportunities for young people in agriculture or just agriculture in general? Yeah, well, that's a good question. There are now a hell of a lot of opportunities, I think, within ag. Um, when I was growing up, we were almost actively discouraged from looking into careers in ag because, you know, we were told there just is not a career in ag unless you're a farmer. If we were talking about agriculture, we were talking about farming and being on the land. Um, which just doesn't have to be the case. I think agriculture is such a broad industry now. There's opportunities everywhere and you just sort of have to be um, open to different ideas. And I think one of the most essential parts to unlocking those opportunities is networking, um, being in touch with people, getting on the phone, emails, uh, growing your personal network. And that's, you know, really opened my eyes in the past couple of years to how powerful that can be. I mean, if you asked me two years ago whether I'd be working for a, a tech company now, I would have almost laughed at you. But, you know, there's some fantastic opportunities out there now. This um, group that I'm working with in, in ag tech is a great example. They've sort of started from scratch seven years ago um, and got to where they are now. But it's it's just a really growing space right throughout the whole supply chain now. And, and uh, you can just, just about find anywhere in that supply chain around the country where you can get involved in, in really interesting positions now. Yeah, I met a few more of the team uh, at Beef the other week when we caught up and it was, yeah, really great to talk to everyone. Obviously very progressive, which is fantastic. Did you see an opportunity in Northern Australia in technology? Absolutely. When I found AgriWeb, I just fell in love with the platform and I couldn't believe that we hadn't seen it up north before. I mean, I, I thought it was just something that's going to be a perfect fit for for all stock camps up there, but then for for management as well, um, and and communicating with the head office, it just takes the friction out of that communication, really simplifies things. So I initially got in touch with AgriWeb to ask, you know, if they've got a a focus on the north, and if we'll be able to get someone up here to to look after the north. And that just started a conversation with with me and the team. Um, and I actually initially had a a phone conversation. When I was at a wedding down south, actually, I was in a motor car and um, we chatted about AgriWeb, which then led to them inviting me to Sydney to come and meet the team. About two weeks after that, I think I was down in Sydney there, moving down to Sydney to, to join the team. Um, but it was just, it was so obvious in, in chatting to them, the passion uh, they had uh, around sort of solving the rising challenge we've got facing the industry of, of producing high quality protein traceably and, and sustainably at scale. Um, initially, we sort of talked about what the problem was, uh, which is, you know, the world's population now is projected to hit uh, 9.7 billion, I think, by 2050. And obviously, with that comes huge increase in demand for protein. And so we've got to do more with less to meet that demand. And, and that's AgriWeb's mission. And that was really evident when I, when I caught up with the team in Sydney. Um, and that was just so infectious. Uh, you know, that really made me want to jump on board and be part of the team. And um, our first core value is to live for the farmer. And 
what we're really about is maximizing returns from the resources we have. Uh, and that's land and feed. They obviously had you hook, line and sinker to go from, you know, chopper pilot, Northern Territory, living his best life to two weeks down in Sydney. Yeah, absolutely. It, it Honestly, it was just so exciting to see what they were doing and the direction they had. And also to hear reviews from from the producers they've got on board. Uh, we, we work really closely with, with our clients now and producers, so our whole platform's been built on their feedback, essentially. And we'll often engage with them every six months. We'll do a survey and, and our most recent survey uh, returned an average of 7.5% increase in productivity year on year. Um, and that's with those guys being able to look at, at things like, you know, weights increasing their weights over time, fertility, um, efficiency in, in utilisation of pasture, cost of labour and things like that becoming more efficient. And and when you look at that as a whole, if you aggregate that across Australia or, or the world, but think Australia alone, you know, that's a huge shift in moving towards meeting those targets in, in demand and, and uh, across across the country. And challenges in the north, is it like in comparison to the south like, and what AgriWeb are doing, is it different? Like how does it stack up? Yeah, certainly. I mean, operationally, there's a, a lot of differences, obviously. Um, and so within the platform, we, we need to build out different um, different tools to suit that. And we, we look at each business differently as well. So we've now built a team of, of consultants who can work with each individual business and, and sort of sit down with them to understand what their goals are within the business and then develop a strategy to get them there. Um, and we work with them over the years. So they've always got access to us and it really becomes a journey with our clients now. We spend a lot of time with them so that we can help them meet their goals. I'm going to switch it back to the livestock leaders. Did You're doing the future NTCA, is that right? That's correct, yep. Tell us about it. It's a great opportunity. Um, I, uh, I, I joined with them a few months ago now, just before the Livestock Leaders Program, um, which was brought to us by the NTCA program as well. Um, I'm heading up to Darwin next week now to go and do a, a business course with uh, Rabobank, which I'm really looking forward to. So that's sort of developing skills in oh, all sorts of things, I think, from from budgeting to, to all, all kinds of business management. Uh, and then we've got a few more events through the year as well. We're getting involved with schools and, and young people. We're putting um, programs in school to help them you know, see what the opportunities are in ag these days. Um, and as well, I think uh, we're going to get involved with policy as well and sort of dip our toe in that to, to network a bit further and, and to understand how, how that side of things works within the industry. Yeah, wow. It sounds like you've got lots of opportunities coming up. Uh, with that in the course, that was the first time you met all those other future NTCA participants. Is that right? Uh, a lot of them, yes. Yeah, no, I, I knew a few um, from just time throughout the territory. But yeah, a lot of fresh faces there. Um, guys from all walks of life in the industry, guys on the ground, on stations, but also uh, other service providers and guys from uh, sort of government backing as well. Uh, but yeah, guys from all over the territory. And, and I think I'm the only one who's actually outside of the territory at the moment. But uh, I'll probably spend more time back home in the Territory than in Sydney at the moment, which has uh, been terrific. So home is Northern Territory, is that what I just heard you say? I think it is. It's in my blood now. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. Time will yep. tell. So you're just going to see how it goes in Sydney. You're obviously travelling a lot. Travelling a lot, yep. Spent a lot of time in, in the Territory this year. We've probably spent, oh, I don't know, maybe done six trips up there, but uh, Queensland as well now. We've probably spent uh, over a month travelling around planning a trip over to the Kimberley as well because we've got a, a lot of appetite from producers over there for um, sort of digital digital management of their livestock. So, yeah, no, it's, it's a great opportunity. Sydney's a good base at the moment. It's easy to jump on a plane and, and get to where we need to be. We'll see. We'll see if uh, there's enough business up there to, to warrant being on the ground again back in the Territory. And what does what does fun look like? What does Munro look like outside of work? Oh, look, I'm a fisherman. I love fishing. Um, when when I can too, I'll, I'll cross iron a, a chopper and, and go for a flight. Usually take a fishing rod with me, take a couple of guys. In Sydney, it's it's a bit different. I haven't got access to a machine down here, but uh, we've got the fins and the snorkel and that sort of thing. So we do a bit of bit of diving. Uh, I bought a surfboard the other day. I haven't actually Look used out, it yet. Surfer dude. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know that we'll get into that. It was a cheap one off the Facebook marketplace. But that was an impulse buy. Very much an impulse buy. <laughs> very neglected. So did you always love flying or was that come about just from being up in the Northern Territory? No, I absolutely loved it. Um, my granddad was a pilot and he used to take me to air shows down there at Avalon when I was a pup. When I was at school, though, when uh, we were looking at, at careers and we had careers advisors at school and that was sort of that stage when we were encouraged not to get into ag, I had then said, all right, well, if I can't go and get into ag, I'd love to fly, I'd love to be a pilot. And then my careers advisor said, oh, no, son, no, no, that's not for you. You uh, you need to go and do maths for that. You need to do physics. And, and so I put that on the back burner too. But once I got to the Territory, I when I was running camps up there, you know, I'd, I'd meet so many different pilots and, and pick their brains all the time. And a lot of them told me that, you know, half of them hadn't finished school and they said, oh, if I can do it, anyone can do it, mate. The theory is a bit tricky, but you'll get through it. And so, yeah, I was really encouraged to do that again. It took me a while to do it. I don't know, it was probably six or eight years up there before I actually hooked in and started my licence. But, yeah, finally got around to it and, and loved it. No looking back. No looking back now. Nope. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, wondering if you could get one key message out there for everyone to hear and understand, what would your key message be? Oh, be bold. Put yourself out there. Um, keep growing, learn as much as you can. And, and networking, I think, is critical to that. I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be close to being here today if it wasn't for the people that have supported me and, and encouraged me along the way and, and opened up opportunities for me. Um, so I think that's critical to, to keep learning keep meeting new people. Do you think you're at a point in your life that you don't only have mentors, but do you think you are a mentor? Yeah, look, I, I do certainly have a few mentors um, and it'd be great to be a mentor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, got a few young guys that call me every now and then who are interested in ag, you know, they're finishing school. Um, I've been lucky enough to be on a, on a couple of webinars now engaged with young guys and sort of sharing my story and you know talking to school leavers about what opportunities are there for them so yeah i'm always open to it if anyone wants to to get in touch yeah i'd, I'd love to help out well brilliant thank you munro um you obviously have a brilliant story and it's great to have you on the livestock leaders podcast that's a pleasure thanks Billy. thanks for having me a big thank you to our audience for listening rest assured we'll be releasing a new episode soon with more leaders and champions throughout the livestock industry 
Please subscribe, leave a review and join our community on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn at Livestock Leaders to hear more real and empowering stories. Oh, 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 oh,